Welcome to Life Beat. I am your hopefully coronavirus-free host, Chris Gast, Rights Life Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. Uh, Catherine Kinsey will not be joining us today because she is also at home due to the governor's order. So instead, joining us today is a pro-life volunteer, uh, the Respect Life Coordinator for St. Mary's Catholic Church in Lowell, Michigan, the delightful Melissa Gast. Welcome to the podcast, Mrs. Gast. Thank you, Mr. Gast. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, I thought, uh, you know, I am a big fan of the Babylon Bee, which occasionally share articles on um, uh, the topic of abortion. And uh, they have a podcast where they had the wives on of their two co-hosts and the kind of engineer. So six people at once was a little difficult, but it was an entertaining episode. So I'm counting on you, Melissa, to really bring the entertainment value here. Yes, I hope that I can do that for all of us today. So, and it'll be your first time doing a podcast. Yes. The first time on the radio. Yes. And your family will get to listen to you. Uh, my in-laws up on uh, CDY up in Osceola County. Yes. Hi, so guys. So that's great. Uh, and they better listen to you or else. Yes, I hope so. Right. Uh, so in a minute, I thought we'd talk about uh, just what it's like being a volunteer in the pro-life movement. Um, you know, we've had a 40 Days for Life has had to be canceled because of this um, coronavirus outbreak. And, you know, Melissa's the 40 Days for Life coordinator for uh, the church. And so before we get into all that, though, uh, I thought we'd talk about uh, the status of Michigan because of this coronavirus outbreak. So I've been home since uh, Monday night, Melissa. Yes. And it's been very busy. And there's a three-year-old who doesn't want to stay outside. Yes. Um, which my wife will go and address for a minute while I continue talking about Governor Whitmer. Yes, be right back. <laughs> so this is, the, uh, of course, the challenge of working at home when you have small children. But uh, we in the pro-life movement love children, so we just have to make do. <coughs> so, <coughs> I don't have coronavirus, promise. So, uh, Governor Whitmer has closed just about everything uh, except for what are described as life-sustaining businesses. Now, I certainly think that Right to Life in Michigan qualifies as a life-sustaining business. We're saving lives. Uh, there are 26,000 abortions in the state, in Michigan, every year. And so, uh, there's a lot of lies riding on us. But, Nevertheless, uh, we are abiding by the governor's order, and so I am working from home today. And uh, most everything is closed except for, Melissa, abortion facilities. Yes, unfortunately. They have not closed. In fact, uh, a reading of Governor Whitmer's order delaying all elective, non-essential surgeries in the state um, she mentions, she mentions pregnancy and pregnancy-related situations. And so that is basically a code word for abortion. We know uh, Gretchen Whitmer is not a pro-life person. Uh, she supports abortion, and when it comes down to it, um, she's going to support the abortion facilities in the midst of a global pandemic. Yes. It's, uh, and not just, it's not just the commitment to taking lives, it's what it represents in terms of 
Um, these abortion facilities are having women come in, um, and those women and the staff in the abortion facilities are increasing the likelihood of the spreading of the coronavirus. In a lot of abortion facilities, and Michigan's not alone, some other states, they're closed, uh, but most other states, they seem to be open. Uh, abortionists will fly from state to state to, ta to, state to do abortions. They uh, are kind of like old school circuit riders. Uh, it's really tough to find a person who wants to make their career uh, tearing apart babies. And so these doctors, these abortionists are flying from state to state to state. Uh, increasing the likelihood of expo uh, exposure of the coronavirus from community to community. And perhaps the biggest thing is these abortionists and staff are using personal protective equipment that is in uh, dire need of supply to people actually on the front lines of treating coronavirus. So masks, gloves, gloves gowns, these are things that abortion facilities are using up that nurses and doctors treating patients don't have access to. Um, and Melissa, there was even, I saw uh, Planned Parenthood in Pennsylvania office has closed all of their health services except for abortions. And they are begging for people to donate to them masks, gloves, etc. Right, when those masks and gloves could be sent to a hospital to treat corona patients. Right, and... You know, hospital people are already overworked. They're already stressed. You saw in China, a lot of healthcare workers uh, were falling ill or dying, especially because of the amount of stress uh, and long hours they're having to work in yeah. a couple of places where this is overloading uh, hospitals. And why should abortion facilities get treated differently? I, I don't know. That's just, um, in this day and age, you don't need stuff like that. The these masks, these gloves, they need to go to hospitals where they actually treat people who are sick. And instead, they're, they're being these nurses and these doctors are having to wear homemade reusable masks. And they could be using these masks that are, the abortion clinics are using. It's poor use of resources. It is. Uh, and, uh, and I think another issue to it, besides the safety in the middle of a global pandemic, is... Just the fairness. Uh, let's use your dad as an example, Melissa. Uh, yeah. So he uh, is having knee replacement surgery. He had one done, but he can't have the other done. Right. And walking around with bad knees is extremely painful. Yes. The more damage that you do to uh, for joint replacements or surgeries like that, the more damage he sustains, the more painful it gets. Uh, the more expensive the surgery and the recovery might be. Yeah. Uh, and the state of Michigan has asked those people, like your dad, to put, like million, yeah. To put their lives on hold. Right. And suffer pain. Right. Um, for, for a good cause, to save lives. Right. However, why, why is it abortion is the only exempt elective surgery? Why is it get to be treated specially when, I mean, the goal of every other surgery, like a knee replacement or hip replacement or dental procedures, is to... Uh, ameliorate symptoms and protect life, whereas the sole goal of an abortion is to take a life that we just don't want to deal with. Yeah. Electively. Yep. Does that make sense to anybody? And it doesn't make sense to me at all. And one final thing I'd mention is, uh, so uh, one of the drugs is an anti-malaria drug that's being uh, touted as maybe useful 
uh, in experimental situations. Does it work? Does it not work? We're not really sure. Uh, the media really got in the president's case for suggesting that as an option. And, um, of course, one thing you always run into with anything that people think is, is going to help, uh, even if it's toilet paper, is, is, you know, runs and hoarding. And so I guess there's legitimate concerns about that for this drug out there, which can also be used, as I understand, to treat autoimmune disorders like lupus and whatnot. But um, the governor has issued an order basically, uh, the governor's office basically suggesting doctors should not prescribe this anti-malaria uh, medication even for coronavirus patients. Now, the order's ambiguous. Maybe you agree with the order and think that lives are at risk because of hoarding. Maybe you disagree with the order because you think that doctors should be able to try and whatnot. But clearly, Melissa, the governor believes that uh, the, a politician herself can get between a uh, doctor and a patient's choice if lives are at risk. That's what the governor believes, right? Yes. Yet how many times have you recently, have I in the last 12 years plus of dealing with Gretchen Whitmer in the legislature and whatnot, have heard her and others say that we have to keep abortion legal because we can't have politicians interfering between a doctor's and a patient's choice. Right. Does that, make, does that make any logical sense to you? No, that there's, that just shows you that they're going to say one thing for one situation, but they're going to say a totally opposite thing for the, another situation. Right, it's really hard to sell abortion as we just don't want to deal with babies, even though that's right. really what it's generally about. Yep. Well, enough talking about that. We did have one person get upset on our uh, Facebook saying, um, you know, I'm really pro-life, but uh, why are you being divisive? And she's making good choices regarding the pandemic, and maybe you shouldn't be being divisive. And, um, you know, the bottom line is uh, there's... Every day in Michigan, 70 unborn children are dying in abortion facilities. And in the context of this pandemic, her decision is going to cost the lie, an uncertain number of lives of uh, patients and medical personnel to the coronavirus in order to keep these abortion facilities open. And, um, you know, it's controversial and as frustrating as uh, the dynamics of discussions maybe and as politicized as it all seems you know our mission as pro-lifers is are those lives and it would be terrible if we feel if we ever feel like we have to be uh abandoning them in order to be polite because politeness is good politeness however is not our mission nope our mission is saving lives well let's get off the topic of our governor uh and let's talk about uh, just being a, a volunteer in the pro-life movement, Melissa. So, um, so you've always been pro-life, right? Yes. And in fact, you, uh, was it in middle school or high school that you wrote a paper on abortion? I, I did in seventh grade. I wrote a paper on abortion, although at that time and even through high school and even through college, I had no idea that there was this pro-life movement specifically for saving babies i i just said you know you have you know you were always like oh i don't want to do that and that's not right but i had no idea there was this grassroots right to life organization until i met chris actually um so yeah and then when i met chris 
he introduced me to all kinds of things and conferences and volunteering opportunities and uh, up until this day that now I am the Respect Life Coordinator at our church. So I probably, I'm not, I don't even know if I was aware what abortion was in seventh grade. So you're probably pro-life before I was. I, I suppose although so. Although I was never not uh, pro-life, although I haven't always been 100% pro-life. Um, because just like you said, you know, abortion is not, contrary to the beliefs of some, it's really not talked about in churches. Nope. Like, ever. Was abortion ever talked about in church when you were growing up? Growing up in Kalamazoo, I don't ever remember it being talked about at church. I don't ever remember being it talked about at church uh, until I got involved in the pro-life movement. Um, it's not a t- pleasant topic. It's not a topic that is talked about around the family table always. Um, and so for a lot of people, they only really become pro-life when they hear more about it. And so... Um, and I hear another child upstairs. <laughs> And there goes my wife again. Uh, children. Ironically, uh, in the pro-life movement, we, we love children. We do recognize that there is a cost to being a parent uh, in time and talent and whatnot. But uh, as far as being pro-life, uh, we believe that it's totally, it's totally worth it because obviously our parents did that for us and we are happy to do that for them, even if it means... Uh, Interrupting a podcast to go shove kids outside again, uh, maybe tie them to the deck, uh, and they could play dodgeball with each other. <laughs> and thanks to the wonders of uh, editing software, uh, it's like we didn't have to go tell our kids what to do there. It's amazing. It's a yes. miracle. Um, so uh, you learn more about being pro-life, uh, and sometimes even pro-life people don't do enough to talk about the issue. So you mentioned that you didn't really know about pro-life issues until you met me. Um, however, you were friends with about every single member of the Students for Life group at Western Michigan University. I was, yes. <laughs> and none of them ever mentioned it to you. No, they didn't. So if you're pro-life, don't just assume everyone knows that that's what you do or uh, you know that's what you, your, one of your passions is. Or just because I posted about it, you know, twice on Facebook this year, people don't realize that. And so uh, always take opportunities when you have them to mention that. Yeah, even if it's just something as simple as, oh, I went to uh, I went to this awesome event the other day. Let me tell you about it. And maybe it's uh, maybe you went to a, um, a pro-life uh, fundraiser or something, you know. So, uh, one event not going on right now is 40 Days for Life. So, uh, in Grand Rapids, we had the 40 Days for Life spring campaign going. And as a church coordinator, um, you were coordinating to have people there for that allotted time to pray in front of the abortion facility. But... Yes, when Governor Whitmer issued her lockdown rule as of of this uh, Tuesday morning, early Tuesday morning... um, we they I found out that we just had to not you know not do it anymore. Um, I thought maybe we would still do it because we would be outside. You could stay you know plenty far away from people on the sidewalk. Um, but the uh, the coordinator of the Grand Rapids coordinator said nope we're not going to do it. 
So yeah, but this uh, this campaign has been interesting, Chris, because um, even when we were still organizing it and planning to do it, I was having to organize it all from my house. I had to send out a bunch of emails to our parishioners and say, can you please sign up for an hour? Um, our day was supposed to be April 2nd, and so I was you know, getting people to volunteer for the time slots. And it was definitely interesting because usually I would be making, making announcements at mass services and standing in the vestibule and getting people to sign up. And it was not the case for this campaign. Yeah, we're lucky that the uh, petition drive, that we wrapped that up before uh, we ran into this. because. Yes. Um, and so just a brief update on that in case you're wondering. Um, still at the Bureau of Elections, still delayed. Uh, a lot of people seem to be confused about the 40 days that the legislature has to vote on it. That only starts when they actually get the bill. Uh, they can't be sent the bill until the signatures are certified, and they can't be certified until uh, there's a 10-day period with which people have to challenge the signatures, and the Bureau of Elections has to be accessible to the public for them to come in and make copies of the signatures to examine them, which obviously can't happen in the midst of a global pandemic. And right. so um, we're still in a holding pattern there. Uh, and it's lucky because a lot of the, there's some other groups out there gathering signatures for a variety of issues. And of course, the Michigan Heartbeat Coalition, which was trying to gather signatures for that uh, very uh, ill-conceived uh, piece of legislation uh, for the state of Michigan. And uh, all those efforts are pretty much scrapped because it's impossible to collect signatures now yes and just mailing signatures out to people mailing petitions out is not a strategy for success no they're just gonna think it's junk mail yeah you know actually we probably circulated as many petitions as we got signatures we probably have four hundred thousand petitions sent out yes. to people okay and three hundred eighty thousand signatures yes so it takes an unbelievable amount of effort to get people to sign a signature and that's when you can actually go to big events and you know get walk out of there with 100 or 200 signatures yes at a pop um so right now uh being pro-life from home uh there's still things that we can do but it is difficult um it's always difficult though uh when you're dealing with the issue so melissa um so you're You've been a volunteer. You've been with the issue for many years now. You've been aware. You've gone to pro-life events. You've gone to, you know, Grand Rapids Right to Life events and whatnot. Yes. Um, you know, always voting pro-life and etc. And you, you know, you do this on the side despite being very busy. Um, and being busy is it is tough, especially for people our age. You know, we see kind of. And if you actually look, go back, you know, 20, 30 years and photos of Right to Life in Michigan and look. You know, there's always this donut hole. There's always a lot of older people involved, Younger a lot of people. students involved. And then in like the 20s and 30s, unless you see them the, them with like the crib or the uh, with a stroller rolling the baby yes. during the event, there's just not a lot of people our age involved in pro-life yeah. stuff because um, we're being personally pro-life with our children, right? Yes, it's very demanding with little children. It is, uh, who have blissfully not interrupted us for about five minutes now. This is yes. outstanding. This, this is, is great. Only ten more minutes to go. Yes. Um, it's, you know, it's difficult, uh, especially in this, for you and in this household for a couple different reasons. So um, 
you know, for me, it's really, it's, it's difficult, you know, contrary to what, you know, some people who, uh, if you've ever heard of the group Abolish Human Abortion and kind of that sort of mindset, um, who believe that a lot of the pro-life movement are just people cashing paychecks and it's this sinister plot to keep abortion illegal so we can keep our uh, day jobs. But, um, you know, it, it is hard when you spend 40 hours a week being pro-life in the office to go home and then do more volunteer activities. Yes. Uh, and, you know, and I'm on the board of Protect Life Michigan, which organizes the student groups around the state. Uh, I hold two executive positions. I'm the vice chair and the secretary. It's hard to convince people to be yes. leaders. So you're doing all that. Um, and I, I used to be on the board of Grand Rapids Right to Life, my local affiliate. And, uh, and then there's all these opportunities they have to volunteer. And then, uh, you know, the parish priest comes up one day is like, Hey, you work for Rights Life in Michigan. So you can be, you guys can be the pro-life coordinators for your church. And I said, sure. You know, you don't, you don't just readily want to say no to your priest. So you say, okay, well, uh, let's, let's try this and see how it goes. And uh, so he asked me last, end of last summer, I think. And then a month later, I was right into it with the fall campaign of 40 Days for Life. You know, hitting, hit the ground running, as they say, I think. And you're lucky you had someone else doing the petition drive for the church. I, di I did, yes. But... Somebody else had already taken over the petition drive because that had started, what, May, June? Um, so they had already, you know, well had that established at our church for uh, gathering signatures. Um, but I was, you know, getting right into it with the fall campaign, and I said, okay, let's do this. Yeah, it's, and during this, even the signature gathering, you know, I spend 40 hours a week imploring people to go out and gather signatures, and then it's the weekend, and you've dealt with this ugly issue for five days straight, and then it's tough to motivate you to, to get out and knock doors in your neighborhood. I did manage to cover my entire neighborhood yes. for signature gathering, um, but it's hard. And, you know, this is not like, you know, it's easy to be passionate about other issues or charitable causes where uh, you always have a warm and fuzzy feeling like you're volunteering in a soup kitchen, although those people have difficulties in their lives. You know, you're feeding a person. That person is usually uh, grateful for it. And you can walk away with a great feeling. But with the issue of abortion, and, and this is an issue you deal with because I... I come home and, you know, normal, in a normal couple, you ask, hi, honey, how was your day at work? Yes. And they're like, oh, great, we had a meeting and I did a TPS report. But I'm like, uh, oh, there's this law passed and babies are being stabbed in the head. And, yes. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, what's it like when I bring my work home? Well, I always try to be supportive of you because I know you want to talk about your day. But it's also good for me because, you know, taking care of a three-year-old when the kids are in school and doing day-to-day -day things and I don't always have time to read the news and figure out what's going and even if you do read the news like they're not going to talk about abortion issues on you know CNN or anything um, or you know your mostly your local news is going to be other things not abortion things so it's always good to be informed you know when he comes home and he tells me about these things um, and I especially don't have time to keep up with a lot of these things now that I'm homeschooling. Yeah, we've turned an entire generation of people into homeschooling. And uh, for those of you out there uh, at wit's end, 
running out of stuff to do, uh, Right Life Michigan does have uh, a curriculum guide uh, called Life Lessons. It's 13 lesson plans, age appropriate, from kindergarten to 12th grade. Uh, it's set up just like a, a teacher's lesson plan. So um, if you are wondering what can I do to possibly keep my kids engaged with activities, um, that's not going to fill up a week, but uh, I'll give you some ideas. So check that out on our website, rtl.org, uh, in the Find Resources menu. Um, so, yeah, I, I know it's hard. I, and I always want, want to bring the work home. And it's hard to talk about, too, you know, because, you know, we sit at the dinner table and I talk about my day. And a three-year-old can't really comprehend what partial birth abortion or dismemberment abortion is. Right. Um, even our eight-year-old only has a very limited understanding. Yeah, very limited understanding. And that's okay. They're not going to get it. You know, our kids are eight, six, and three. You're not going to expect them to understand the entire abortion issue. You know, some people in high school don't even understand it. So, Why are you pro-life, Melissa? Why, why, why do you understand the abortion issue? Because, of course... Um, I have a good faith in, in God and, and Jesus, and what do they preach? You know, every life is valuable. You know, every God loves everybody. Jesus loves everybody. And so with, with that love that he has for everybody, everybody is valuable. No matter if you have, you know, no matter if you're healthy, you have some health issues, you know, special needs, um, not very long to live, Maybe you don't have a very long life expectancy. Every life has value. I think for me, um, my first experience, I remember the issue with abortion was in high school during a debate class. I don't think I really knew much about it. And someone brought in, for the, someone was going to debate the issue, and they brought in photos of aborted babies. And I think uh, at that point, it was just plainly apparent to me that abortion was wrong um but of course you know you, you really it's one thing to think as a matter of justice oh abortion's wrong but how does that play out in a lot of situations and so uh you know the more as as you've learned more about the issue and as i've learned more about the issue the more uh, pro-life uh at least i have gotten um i think when i first joined uh pro-life the students for life group in in college I really didn't know a lot about the issue, and one of the stumbling blocks for me, and this is a perfect issue, is you know abortions in cases of uh, rape and incest. And if you asked me, I would have said, well, maybe in those cases, I'm not really sure. Um, and then, uh, so it is really hard to put that principle of every life has value and every life matters. Uh, it's hard to put that into practice. It is. That's why it's always good to learn more about the issue and learn about, okay, why is it that we want to protect the unborn and um, what are the ways that we can do that? Well, we're, uh, we're running out of time here. So uh, this is what I do at the office all day. It's just <laughs> Yes, I'm sure that's not the case. No. Um, uh, what is it that you think is kind of the most important thing for a pro-life volunteer who's not paid to do it uh who's doing it infrequently what do you think is the most important thing for them to keep in mind i think um even if you know not to get 
too hard on yourself. You know, some people, they go around and they're thinking, oh man, I wish I could do more. I wish I could do more, but I just have so much going on. I have the kids. I have PTO meetings. I have, you know, a little bit, maybe you work part-time or something. But the most important thing to remember is that are you doing something? Even if it's just something as little as praying for the unborn, or, you know, praying that your local Planned Parenthood or your local abortion facility will close down. Praying for these mothers who don't feel like they have anything else to do besides go to the abortion clinic. Pray that the mothers will choose a pregnancy resource center instead. Or maybe you're going to go, even if you just go to a pregnancy resource center for, you know, one, one time a month, that's, just give yourself lots of credit for that. All right, good advice. So uh, I didn't get to make fun of you. You're the first person I can make fun of on the podcast. So I wouldn't get in trouble with HR, and I didn't sure. take advantage of it, but yeah. that's okay. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. We'll see what the governor decides. All right, that's all the time we have for this edition of Life Beat. Join us again in two weeks. Stay healthy. Stay healthy.